I see voice bumps. My lovely voice bumps. My bumps, my bumps, my bumps. <laughs> no, I think that should be the name of our podcast. Check it out. My lovely voice bumps. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of May 9, 2011. This is episode 103. I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. And joining to me today out of studio, not here, not with me, are Adam. Hey, Adam Meyer, creative director for Interval. And Jackie. Jackie, hi, Jackie Rosato, <laughs> account coordinator with Interval. Hi. I got my greeting. Hi, catch you later. Hey. I know, me too. I stumbled over my greeting too, so must be one of those days. It must be. The, drink, oh, well. the drinking has started early. It is Friday. It is Friday. And it's late in the day on a Friday. Well, late, mm-hmm. late in the business day anyway. Still early in the day. day. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. <laughs> For clarifying. In the regular day. Yes. The day. day. Well said. <clears throat> well put. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, let's see. We've got we've got some interesting things to talk about, so we should get right to it. One of which I think we could spend a lot of time on. So let's get through the other ones so we can get to it, because I think it'll be fun. First, cool. an update. Uh, if you're listening to this as per our normal recording or posting time, You still have a chance to attend the Mission Spring Conference, which is Thursday. That would be Thursday the 12th. Yep, next Thursday the 12th. Right. And that's that's at the Arboretum, right, Jackie, in Chaska? It is. It's supposed to be pretty. Pretty, 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 pretty. (laughs) So people, people can still catch a flight. They can grab a bus, freight, boat, whatever it takes to get here to Minnesota. (laughs) Freight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For all you overseas folk. That's right. You can still join us. And we're sponsoring, of course, we're sponsoring the happy hour. What else would we be sponsoring at the conference? So drinks on us. Come on out. What time does the happy hour begin? Uh, that begins at one in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a half day conference followed by a full day happy hour. Yes. No, it starts at four. Okay. Four o'clock in the Arboretum bar, I guess. Something like that. Something like that. I think they're kind of setting up a bar in the Arboretum where the conference is, but it's easy to get to. Everybody's just going to get a 40. <laughs> they're going to get a giant bottle of beer. Can you Some eat? malt liquor? Yep. I don't think you can get them. Well, I, I guess we'll see if they have 40s on hand. I think they will. I think we'll make that a special request. Whenever we host a happy hour, there has to be a 40 on hand for everybody. <laughs> That's very and no one would come. That's very ga- very gangsta of you. <laughs> Thank you. That's about as far as I go with that. This one's for my marketing homies. <laughs> Two one four zero. <laughs> All right. So hopefully we'll have a nice crowd there. If not, we'll just drink ourselves. That's always fine with us. I think it'll be a good crowd. I've already talked to a few people who are going to be there. So yeah, join us. I drink alone. Party. Join us, if you will. With nobody else. Thank you, George. You know when I drink alone? 
Does Jack even know who, know who George Thorogood is? I prefer to be by myself. Yes. Okay, good. I didn't know if he was old school, too old school. Though Adam's ruining it for me, but... Jeez. <laughs> one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. All right. Let's get... Let's, nice segue from that to power of content-oriented marketing, <laughs> wouldn't you say? Um, perhaps. Perhaps. All right, so get down and dirty with healthcare marketing. We are always talking about the value of delivering relevant content, correct? Inbound marketing, wellness, we talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're almost always focusing on the relevant component of it because Joe Public doesn't give a hoot about you, so you better make sure you're talking to him or her about something that is relevant to them. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, we're talking about the, the wellness part of it, uh, we're talking about what is the actual message, but we don't spend too much time talking about the delivery of the content itself. And so there's just a really interesting uh, report that was done that somebody first sent to me, or I found it somehow, probably on Twitter, though I don't remember where. Uh, the name of the article is on Marketing Profs, and unfortunately, you have to be a member to see it. Uh, but the name of the article is Three Steps to Generating Higher ROI from Content Marketing. And it's written by Jim Lenskold, who uh, I assume is the owner or president or whatever. He's the namesake of the Lenskold Group. And they are the folks that actually put out a study called the Lead Generation Marketing ROI Study, which you can go get online. So I would highly recommend uh, that folks go seek that out. We'll, we'll try to provide a link for it on our show notes. But uh, that has a lot of in-depth information in it. Uh, if you can't get to the marketing profs. But what's cool is that this article really focuses on uh, a study, a survey that they did. Uh, um, this was of B2B lead generation marketers, but they'd make a point of saying this is very relevant, not to be redundant, to B2C companies. So that would be us in most cases, though uh, I think you could apply these from a B2B standpoint when you're talking about uh, physician communications and marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So they went out and they asked these folks, uh, rate the effectiveness uh, of these following marketing tactics. And then people had, you know, a five-point scale. And if it was, ra- they basically have included or, or ranked these based on whether something was rated either one or two by somebody. Okay. So they've got a list of eight potential tactics. And what's interesting is of the eight uh, there are four of them which I would consider to be uh, kind of thought content oriented and four mm-hmm. are more typical uh, sales promotional oriented. Okay, I'm going to read them here in a second. But uh, of the eight, the first two are content oriented. Uh, actually, three of the first four are content oriented. So there's only one that's really sales or promotional. Okay, so we're going to read through these. <clears throat> the first one is the top score. So 52% of respondents rated this uh, effective, either as the top one or two on a five-point scale, 52%, which is engaging customers via educational webinars and seminars. Mm-hmm. So keywords there are educational, which again is relevant content. It's not selling something. It's helping people learn. Uh, and then webinars and seminars, which is a way to actually engage folks. Uh, and I think that stands up with what we would believe, correct? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, well, it's the only one on here. Not to not to get ahead, but it's really, really the. I mean, it's the main one, only one. I think where there are really where there 
is some level of one-on-one or uh, personal interaction on some, even if it's not face-to-face, you know, if it's a webinar and online. Um, so I, I would, in, in most cases, assume that that would generate more leads um, than <clears throat> anything that's not, that doesn't have that direct human-to-human interaction right. on some level. Right. I, it, for a number of reasons, I think. The first, and I don't have any research to back this up, but just off the top of my head, when you're engaging in one-to-one or even, you know, in a seminar setting, uh, there's a level of trust built into that. There's a level of expertise built into it. From the presenter standpoint, you have the chance to actually have a, an engagement, a conversation, mm-hmm. as opposed to a one-time uh, delivery of communication, mm-hmm. you know, messaging, whatever, which allows you to further that along. So if you're trying to uh, move people to a place where they would take a step and become a lead, which is what this is really about, uh, you're much more likely to be able to get them there for those reasons and others, I'm sure, uh, in those kind of settings. So it's true. Second is engaging new contacts with periodic content such as e-newsletters. So that's 42%. Now, I'm making an assumption there that e-newsletters is, again, uh, well, they say periodic content. So it's less about uh, like sales flyers or that type of thing and more about, uh, you know, articles and studies and that type of stuff. Right. So again, uh, it becomes a resource for people to learn and they trust that and uh, are much more likely to, to take action from those. So number three is the first one, which I would consider more of a sales promotional tactic, and that is engaging and educating customers with product trials. Mm-hmm. And that's also at 42%. And I think as a lead generation tactic, that makes sense. If you can get somebody to actually try something, they're going to be much more likely to go ahead and buy it, whatever that it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Number four is also content-oriented, engaging and educating customers with white papers and eBooks. So that's at 35%. And I think if I had to gather why that's less than like e-newsletters, it's because of our attention span. <laughs> right? I mean, that, Yeah, that could be. You're more likely to read probably uh, e-newsletters that come across or emails or whatever it is than an entire white paper or e-book. I would be. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But even so, it seems like you know if the if the white paper or e-book has value, um, which I would think would typically extend, you know, be a little more powerful or more valuable than what might be in the periodic content. I guess it depends on the source and what the subject is. Um, it, it, the only thing that surprises me a little bit there is that I, I it would seem like somebody who actually read the white paper or read the ebook might be pulled in on a deeper level or might be more inclined unless again, I mean, it depends on the content clearly, but might be more inclined to take action because it's something kind of have pulled themselves in on a deeper level already. Um, but I don't know, I guess when you're talking about quantity now, because clearly far fewer people are going to read those than you know, pe- right. the articles mm-hmm. or the e-newsletter that probably just the sheer quantity of people engaged in either one is what is what's driving those numbers. But who knows? Maybe, maybe that maybe the leads you generate though, through the white papers and eBooks are already like a little more established right up, right off the, off the gate, off the bat. And I don't know. Well, the, the other thing I would add to that is this, this kind of matches our experience. I mean, we've been using a lot of these tactics. We've been, you know, building our own agency based on thought leadership for years. And I would actually order these pretty much the way they're ordered here as far as the lead generation. If I'm talking about mm-hmm. going out and trying to find hospitals to work with, uh, seminars first, e-newsletter second, 
Uh, and white papers and ebooks, you know, we don't have any ebooks, but we've definitely done papers and books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think those are, are lower and it's not because they're not valued. I would almost put it in the camp of those are, those are very powerful in building a brand. And so a lead may come down the road, uh, an opportunity to work with a hospital, for example, in our case, that was, you know, maybe accelerated over time because of a paper or a book, but mm-hmm. wasn't like the instant generator of that if that makes sense. So I think those do a great job of building brand, uh, but for whatever reason, they don't necessarily trigger uh, instant uh, leads. And maybe that's because a lot of times they're so in-depth that they're not oriented toward, and the end result of this 200-page book is buy this product. So it's not mm-hmm. as intuitive that there is something to do at their, their higher level. So I don't yeah, know. I agree with that. I'm just making that up, but... Okay, um, I'm just going to kind of go through these last few uh, pretty quick here so we can get to the last item on our agenda and spend the most time with that. But next in line was generating leads via promotional marketing collateral. Uh, sixth was motivating response via offers and incentives. Seventh was generating sales leads with limited time discounts and offers. So again, those three are all classic sales promotional tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last one is engaging new contacts with interactive tools such as apps, calculators, or widgets. Uh, Again, I think that's that's almost like the books in that if you're doing those right, they probably don't lead to a sale immediately. Uh, I, I don't know, but I, I was expected that to be a little higher, but that's lowest on the list of 23%. Yeah, I expected that to be a little higher too, but makes sense. Maybe it's just so new people haven't figured out quite how to master that. Mm-hmm. Well, that and those, those are, of all of this stuff, those are items that actually exclude a certain you know, number of your, or a certain percentage of your audience right off the bat, you know, if they're not connected the right way, if they're not using the right computer, if they're not using whatever platform that you've developed your quote unquote app calculator or widget, um, for, unless they're purely web-based things, then, you know, you're already ruling out a percentage of your audience. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that could be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So great stuff. We really encourage you to go out and pick up that, uh, pick up that study or the report done by the lens cold, a group. And if you've got marketing props, check out the article, which is really good too. So let's move on to our final item, which was a gauntlet that was dropped by Adam. Because in our last podcast <laughs> at the end, we just kind of tossed out. We were, we were kind of thinking about, gosh, how many, how many links does the average hospital website homepage have? Uh, and you know, we're like, we kind of joked, well, somebody should do that. Go do that. And I think, well, I don't know if it was a couple days ago, Adam, you were like, you know, we should, we should really try to do that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, we could. So last night, I don't know what drove me to do this, uh, but I was sitting around and it occurred to me and I'm like, <laughs> how tough would this really be? So I sat down and I pulled up the Thomson Reuters top 100 hospitals, just as a random, well, not random sampling, uh, but a sampling of hospitals. And I started doing this. Uh, and about, I would say two and a half, three hours later, maybe more, uh, I had, I had some answers, wow. which were very revealing. I thought, so there's all kinds of caveats to this, which I think would be really interesting to, to discuss. So we're going to go ahead and talk about the kind of, well, I'll call them the preliminary results. Uh, but basically what, what I meant when I said that and, and why I think it's important to understand is, uh, I think the number of links is a representation of how many choices I have at first glance quote unquote, if I visit a a website. So how many links are on the homepage? Uh, And I think there's a lot 
to be said for uh, clarity. We, we talk about that all the time with our website uh, development work. Uh, and there's also lots of research that shows when people are faced with more choice, they actually have a harder time. Uh, you would think that, you know, hey, it's better to provide 20 types of toothpaste than just three. <laughs> but actually, studies show uh, that, no, people tend to freeze up when there's too many. They can't decide, and they just won't buy in many cases. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to be said for limiting this. Uh, so I just wanted to look, you know, what's what's what what would this be? And, and again... This isn't this isn't meant to be the sole determinant of a strong website design, right? I just think there's a correlation between higher link count and poor design and usability. But obviously, there are examples uh, where you know you. So, for example, I, I counted links that were in body copy, and part of this was once I started going, I I couldn't like stop. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I may, had to make some decisions as I went along that once they were made, I had to stick with. Otherwise, I was going to have to go back. So that's mm-hmm. what I mean. We could decide how we want to you know, qualify some of this and do it differently. Uh, but I, I was counting every link that was possible. Now, you know, if there are links within body copy, that's not necessarily adding to your confusion. You know, that's not necessarily more choice. That's just... Uh, you know, that's enhancing the content that's on there. So I don't know if that speaks to that. And certainly, you you know, you could limit your links in a way that's a bad thing. So we shouldn't penalize right. folks for having links to Facebook or Twitter, for example, when they have the icons on there. Mm-hmm. Because those are links that we would say you should have. You should have a social media. So it's not cut and dried, but I think there's a general correlation. You think that's fair? Yeah, definitely. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, okay. it, yeah, I mean, case by case scenario where it, where it's appropriate or not appropriate, but in general, I think it's a fair assessment. Okay, so here's some things just to keep in mind before I read you the stats. Again, I went through this. I went through 100 websites in two and a half hours. Uh, my eyes hurt a lot. I had TV <laughs> on in the background. So before we're publishing any of this, we're going to go back through and somebody's going to double check. Because you know when you count, and literally you're going 70, and I got to the point where I'm like, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 80, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you know, because I was trying to count really fast. And you forget right. whether you're on 70 or 80. There's a couple of times I had to go back. So there shouldn't be like mistakes to the factor of 10, but maybe off one or two. Uh, I counted every place where you could click a link to leave the home page, okay. but... If it was a menu item that you had to mouse over or drop down, I did not count all the elements within that item, right? So if you see a navigation bar and there's six items in it, and each one of those, if you click on it or you mouse over it, drops down 50, I did Mm -hmm. not count 50 times six. I just counted six. Because again, at first glance, what am I seeing? Right. I think that's that's what I would have done. Okay. Mm Okay. Okay. Uh, some of these things, uh, I got really nitty gritty, but again, once I did it, I couldn't stop. So I counted if it was, if there was a link to print, I counted that. Mm -hmm. If there was a link to resize the the typeface, I counted that. Uh, if you had, uh, all of your social media icons lined up, I counted each one of those because that's a different link. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of people had those under one. So again, almost like a drop down menu. Uh, what would you call that, Adam? It had a name of like share. And if you moused over share, up pop like, you know, a hundred different ways you could share. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's only one link, not a hundred in my way of counting. Yeah. If it's hidden, if you have to mouse over it, so it displays right. then, right. 
The only place where I kind of broke that rule was when folks had the boxes of search that said A to Z. I didn't mm-hmm. count all letters as like 26. I counted it as one call-out box that you would pick one of those. So I cheated a little bit there, but again, we can go back and change that if people feel strongly that that, that was I mean, I treat everybody the same, <laughs> but that might go against what I just said about mouse over, that kind of thing. Right. Okay? Sounds good. So that's the setup. So first of all, I'm going to give you the total. Uh, do you remember our guesses from last week? Because we all threw out guesses. One million? That was Jackie's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that was Jackie's. I don't remember. Did you jot them down? What was yes, mine? I can't remember. I got it. What was mine? I, j- I threw out 40, and Adam, mm-hmm. you said a few dozen, so that would be 36. Okay. And then we both kind of said, well, it's probably more than that, but that was the numbers we threw out. So if you took all 100 hospitals and you total up the links and you averaged it out, the average is 57.1. Wow. Oh, wow. Ta-da! Yeah. You're now, both undershot. Here's the deal. You were, There's w- you were way off, Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> I overshot. <laughs> you were way off. There was one hospital that is a complete outlier that skews some of this. Okay. So there is the range of links went from 20 for the lowest to, have you guys looked at this report? Yeah. Jack, okay. Adam, have you? Not in, not, okay. in, not in depth. Did you see what the highest was? No. Which one was it? Do you want to take a guess? Mayo? No, I'm not going to say that. Well, I'll tell you the name of it after. <laughs> what's no. the, what's well, what the you want quantity? Me to say? Oh, the highest the number. number. Yeah. Oh. I have it right in front of me, so that's oh, not good. Right. Man. Um, hmm. One twenty. You're half right. Two forty? Two forty one. Holy hell. <laughs> 241 links, and the winner goes to Oxner Medical Center in Louisiana. And the reason they had that problem was it was a gigantic, so they had a lot of problems with the design of the site. But they had a a navigation bar, I guess you would call it, on the right that had all locations as links. So a lot of places you would go to locations and the links would pop up. This Mm -hmm. was something you could see all of them. They also had all of their conditions that they treated listed on the homepage. Wow. That'll do it. Plus your traditional navigation things. Yeah, the the half of those were probably the listing of the the uh conditions. <laughs> uh, probably a hundred and I think I count hundred and fifteen or something of those alone that were on the homepage. Wow. Okay. So that's a huge outlier. So if you took that out uh, and you just look at the rest of the 99, the, the, it drops to 55.2, but that's not a big shift. Uh, the way that the, the Thomson Reuters uh, carves these up is by, there's five categories for the top 100. Major teaching, teaching, large community, medium community, and small community. Uh, and the major teaching had the highest of 70.1, but that's because this hospital was included in it. So if you took that hospital out, major teachings down to 57.9, pretty close to the overall. Teaching mm-hmm. was 58. Large community was 59. And then the really only difference is when you get to the smaller hospitals, medium community is 53.7, and small community hospital is 47.9. Mm-hmm. So does that kind of add up for all you guys? Sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a lot higher than oh, I yeah. suspected. 
right? Uh, some of the other ways to think about this, the median, so that means if you took all 100 and you looked at which one was right in the middle, was 52. Okay? If you okay. carve these up into percentiles, because if you have kids, you're always focused on the percentile of the test. Like, you're, remember that when you're in school? You're mm -hmm. in the 98th percentile, whatever. So if you looked at these in that way, you'd want to be in the lowest percentile mm -hmm. if we're correlating link quantity with design. Uh, so the lowest 20% had link totals of 20 to 36 links. So if your homepage has 20 to 36 links, uh, then you would be in the best 20%. Mm -hmm. The next 20%, so these are the people getting a B, are 36 to 48. The people getting a C, so the next 20% are 48 to 58. The fourth 20% is 58 to 74. And then the, the people, the 20% that had the highest were 75 plus. So those are, those are, so in each of those categories, there are 20 hospitals. So in other words, 20 hospitals had 75 or more links on their homepage. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. And, and again, this isn't a random sampling. This is the Thomson Reuters 100 top hospitals, which you would assume uh, if they are rated based on quality and financial success, they also probably do other things well. So my guess is, as a group, uh, the, this set of hospitals is going to skew a little better than the overall set of hospitals. Right. You would imagine, yeah. Yeah, so interesting stuff, huh? We did it. We actually went out there and found out what it was. Well, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt challenged. Somebody dropped their glove, and I had to... You had to meet had, the challenge. I had to meet the challenge. Yeah. Couple of things that I noticed as I was going through. Uh, a lot of hospitals have something called Quick Links, which is like a box that has Quick mm -hmm. Links in it. Uh, but a lot of times it was stuffed all the way down at the bottom of the page or, you know, lost in a bunch of other navigation boxes, which I just thought was humorous. You know, these are Quick Links. Hey, if you want to get there quick, well, you can't even <laughs> find the Quick Links box to, to get there. And, here, and here's a, a pro tip. Um, Take that stuff that's in your quick links box, which is probably your most accessed content on your website and rethink your navigation strategy around <laughs> some of those items. <laughs> right. Right. It just seemed weird that if you really thought that those were the highest priority, A, that you would stick them in a special place and jam them where you can't find them. And then B, to your point, why wouldn't you just, you know rethink your nav strategy overall. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. And, you know, really there's a push there's, you know, we've been pushing more and more lately. Um, well, for a while now that, you know, if you're, if you're not thinking about mobile um, and in many cases, first and foremost, and letting that drive some of your strategies, uh, you're doing something wrong. Um, and you know, when we talk about thinking about mobile, you really talk about what, what are the most, you know, with lim very, very limited screen real estate, what are the main things people need to access or what are the, what are the most important things people are going to access um, from these devices? And, you know, really let, let that drive your content strategy or your, your linking strategy, your navigation strategy overall. I mean, cause in most cases, those are the things, no matter what device people are accessing your content from, those are probably the things they're seeking. Um, get rid of all the crap, get rid of all the clutter. If you've got 175, if you got two, what was the, what was the highest number? 240? 241. My God. 
My goodness. That's just <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, even the ones that were in that bad um, 20% of 75 plus, those are, those are honors. And you know, another way that I thought about that as I went through them was I could almost tell instantly, of course, when I looked at a page, like I'm going to have to get my counting gloves on. Uh, but one <laughs> of the ways you can do this, I think too, another measure, a quick measure is how many navigation bars do you have? And I don't know if bars is the right word, but, but where you have some kind of navigation treatment, a box, whatever, right. uh, the more of those you have, the worse off you are. And, and the minimum I saw is two, where there was a primary navigation, and then almost everybody has something at the bottom of the web page um, for spiders and that type of thing. So that's probably the minimum, and that's fantastic. I don't know what the maximum was, but I can tell you the one that had six, uh, 241 had seven. <laughs> so in other words, seven different navigation treatments, not links, obviously, but here's a list, here's a list, here's right. a list, here's a list. Seven of those. Seven. So <laughs> what what are they thinking? I mean, I, I, I don't know. And, I, and there was, I would say the average out there is probably around four. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you, you have one at the top, one on the side, on each side, and one on the bottom, sometimes two at the top, like layers at the top. Right. And people um, have to learn. I mean, they have to learn. They have to learn how to use each one of those. I mean, it's it's not an intuitive navigational setup because you have to you have right. to learn how you know the the main one works. Now you have to learn how this next level one works alongside the main one, and then your third. How does this third one work? And now if you're adding more on top of that, it's like all of them play off each other somehow, and you're forcing your users to have to learn basically how each one of these menus menus lives within your overall navigation structure it's just poor that's poor form that's not that's mm-hmm. that's a bad idea right bad idea genes <laughs> so anyway we will take this uh i'm trying to decide whether i may i may post this as a as a blog post just a preliminary results but we will definitely go back through it and we will have somebody uh double check everything and we may make some changes in like you know whether we count the az as 26 or one or or whatever but uh the key is just that we're consistent among all of them uh and we'll post that too but i think it'd be it's still valuable to post it as we have it now just to give people something to think about so right so with that, we got to run. We got stuff to do, people to see. Forties <laughs> to bag, yo. <laughs> that's next Thursday. That's next Thursday. Well, uh, for some of us, that's every day. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. I always do. All right. For Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards, this is Chris Bevelo. Oh my Adam Meyer. <laughs> Adam Meyer. <laughs> Jackie Rotaco. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.